The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. What makes a successful entrepreneur? One who is constantly worried about the success of their business to the point where they don't have any time for themselves? Or one who keeps an eye on business but also makes time for the rest of their life? Welcome to Reclaim Your Freedom with host Shirley Dalton. In this program, you'll learn how to create an amazing, successful business and still have time for a life. Now, here's Shirley Dalton. Hello and welcome. Thanks for joining us today. You're listening to Reclaim Your Freedom and I'm your host, Shirley Dalton. My mission in life and my promise to you is to inspire, educate and support you to be, do, have and feel what you want. To that end, I'm excited to introduce you to our guest today, Jason Forrest. Welcome, Jason. Thank you, Shirley. I'm glad to be here. I'm really excited to be talking with you today, Jason, and I was really excited to meet you recently at the C-Suite networking event, you and um, sales director. Yeah, Mary, it was wonderful. So, Jason, you're the CEO and Chief Culture Officer for FPG, the Forest Performance Group. As a sales professional, author, speaker and coach, your job is to empower professionals and executives to unleash their human performance and master their leadership skills in sales, management, culture and service for the purpose of increasing profit through people. Personally, you've won many awards and this year your company was listed as one of Inc. 5000, America's fastest growing private companies. And what I think is even more impressive and totally congruent with what you and your company represent, your company was awarded the Fort Worth Inc. Best Companies to Work For. So congratulations on that. Uh, Thank you. Yeah, The the combination of the two is what I consider the the unicorn award to be a fast-growing company, which is... Normally, if you're a fast-growing company, you have high revenue, but in a lot of cases, you have you have a very high turnover. Uh, on the flip side, if you create a best place to work, uh, you a lot of times have uh, a lot of fun, uh, but people don't get anything done. So, to be able to do to do both at the same time, have a fast-growing company and the best place to work, uh, to me is considered the the ultimate uh, unicorn achievement. Yeah, absolutely, and it's fantastic that you are actually a role model. You know, you are definitely walking your talk. Thank you. Now, you say that you're a salesperson first, a behavioural change expert, a national speaker and a coach who pushes organisations to become highly profitable while creating best places to work. And you grew up under the influence of your father, who was a business owner and professional salesperson, and your mother, who was a persuasive speaking professor, and Zig Ziglar, your Sunday school teacher and world-famous salesperson and motivational speaker, which ensured you learned how to drive profitable growth through doing rather than observing. So I have to ask the obvious question, since you were associating with such successful role models in your early years, how old were you when you realised you too wanted to go into sales and why? Yeah, that's a great question. Shirley, I, I, um, I, mean, I, I was on the selling floor Again, since I was a little kid, I actually sold my first diamond when I was eight years old in my father's jewelry store, and 
I just really grew up around that. I mean, the, 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 you know, for me, it was just all I ever knew. Um, I, I remember, you know, most families, when they go to family reunions, they tell stories about, you know, being a lawyer or a doctor uh, or a business owner, but pretty much um, majority of the, of my uncles and cousins were, were in some sort of sales function. And so, you know, we, we, we sit around and tell sales stories. And so I just, that's just all, all I ever knew. I mean, the, you know, I remember um, back in the early 80s when, when uh, we had a pretty big recession in, in the U.S., uh, I remember going home to my father one time, my dad, and, and I was a kid, and I said, you know, Dad, I, I, I'm, are, we wor- are you worried about your job? Because, you know, all of my friend's parents are being laid off from EDS and Frito-Lay and, and um, IBM, and, and he said no, because if you're a top 1% sales professional, then you will have a job no matter market conditions. Because the, 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 the last person to ever go in an organization when a company goes under is the owner of the organization, but the second to last person to go is always the highest revenue producer. So it's always the top salesperson because you know, that, that's the lifeline, that's the bloodline of the organization. So he just said, look, if you, you, know, if you, if you want to have a career that, that um, is recession-proof, and it's completely dependent upon how good you are, your skill set, no, no conditions of market or circumstances or the economy, or it's just strictly based upon your X-factor ability, your ability to convince other people with your words that you've got value to solve their problem, then, then sales is the career for you. And, and so I think just kind of growing up in that mentality, I, I, mean, I was always in a sales career from again, my father's jewelry store to when I was in high school working at Hugo Boss and Banana Republic and different uh, retail clothing stores to college. I was a leasing agent and uh, leasing apartments to other college kids uh, to provide housing and then, of course, going on to after college to be a, a stockbroker, financial advisor, and then selling real estate. And I've just always been in some sort of sales function. And again, I just, I've always, I just thought there's nothing more capitalistic than being a professional salesperson. It's just, it's just, uh, again, it's, it's, it's the, it's the, it's the greatest career you could possibly choose. And it's really interesting to hear you say that because there would be a lot of people and a lot of our listeners that would be sitting there cringing, thinking, oh, <laughs> they, they don't have those skills or that mindset. Um, and I really uh, was interested then, as you were saying, and I, and I believe it as well from my experience, that the second to last person to go is going to be the highest revenue earner because, that, I mean, that's what the companies want. So... What made you then decide to go and start your own company, the Forest Performance Group? Well, that's a great question. I want to answer that. But, you know, uh, something I also want to address, too, is, you know, you mentioned that people cringe when they kind of you think about, you know, the idea or career of sales. And, you know, and I, I, I believe that is to be true. I mean, I think if you were to go ask a random person on the street, what do you think of when you think of the word salesperson? I mean, they would say unethical, pushy, unhelpful, manipulative, and, and uh, and that could be true, but my you know, but my paradigm is that um, people don't actually you know hate salespeople in general. Uh, they just don't like some salespeople that project unhelpful, unethical, or boring behaviors. So they just don't like bad salespeople. They don't like. It's the same thing. I mean, we don't have a problem with lawyers. We just have a problem with unethical lawyers. Or we don't have a problem with waiters. We just have a problem with unhelpful waiters. Uh, I mean, that's really just a, kind of a true statement. And we just don't do a good enough job really training salespeople today to be noble and my personal mission statement on all the training programs I create I create a uh, kind of a mission statement around the training program and and the mission statement around our sales training program called warrior selling is is to bring back the pride purpose and respect professional selling It's to 
bring back the nobility of it. And what's interesting too is that is surely that one of the things the mistakes that people make is they say, well, I just I'm not cut out to be in sales. That's not something I can do. And what I tell them is that you know all human beings are actually born to sell. I mean, it's a it's a survival skill, you know, like breathing. I mean, it, it's you know it's it's interesting. A lot of times I'll have I'll have uh, CEOs that will argue with me and say, you know, I don't know if everyone can sell in my organization. I don't know if they're going to cut, you know, make it in your program. And I just tell them, I say, look, all human beings are born to sell. And I say, for example, like, tell me if you have, you know, if you, if you, you know, how many kids do you have? And they'll say, well, I got a couple of kids. And so great. So, you know, do you have, a, do you have someone that, you're, that you think will just never make it in sales? Yeah, my daughter, you know, my daughter Robin is just, um, you know, she's very introverted and very shy, and she's 35 years old. When she goes to, you know, kind of social gatherings, she just gets very, very scared and just doesn't, you know, just doesn't want to get out there. And then I look at I look at the CEO and I say, hey, so you know, in what age, what age did Robin convince you to stay up late to watch a show, to watch a TV show? What what age did Robin convince you to buy something for her at you know a, a store when you when you said no, or to buy candy, or? And then of course the CEO will respond, well, as soon as she can start talking. I said exactly. <laughs> so it's a human being skill to persuade someone with your words. It's a human being skill. It's just. That, that, you know, but Robin, you know, at a young age, you know, she was conditioned through her programming that it's not correct. Or every time she was told the word no, um, you know, she was saying, you know, no means no and stop asking and stop being so pushy and stop trying to get your way. And, you know, and so parents or teachers, you know, they condition kids and society conditions kids to say that selling is evil. And so, you know, you have so much of that programming in your brain that over and over again, you start to believe those to be true. And so what, I, what I'm really on a mission to do is all of our clients, the first thing we do is we tell them, look, we're not here to, you know, you're not broken and we're not here to, to fix you, but we are here to liberate you. We are mm-hmm. here to get you, get you to go back to that, you know, that uh, eight-year-old child in you that said selling was okay and you had no problem with conflict. You have no problem with persuading people to follow you with your words. And so we got to get you back to that and we got to unleash you uh, and remove all those rules and, and limited beliefs that are holding you back. And you have a really interesting comment on your website that says beliefs have more to do with our success than our abilities. And um, so we've just got a couple of minutes before we take a break. Tell us what you mean by that because I was I love it. You know, I really resonated with it, but I, I'd love to hear more. Yeah, so basically the concept is, is if you think about, um, you know, the skills of selling are very easy or the skills of entrepreneurism or being a great leader are very easy. It's the psychology that gets in the way. And see, I think every human being wakes up every morning with a worth it number on their forehead that says, I believe I am worth this. I believe I believe that I am capable of achieving this based upon my market, my circumstances, my situation, my product, my company. You know, that's, that's what I believe I'm worth. And no matter what skills they have, they're going to use those skills to the level they believe is worth it. And it could be $50,000, in annual income or more, but that's just the case. And I see that all the time. I and mean, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll take thousands of people through a year, you know, a year through our uh, warrior selling programs, our leadership programs, our, our service programs, and, and we'll teach the same people the exact same skills. And then all of a sudden, you know, two salespeople will go into the exact same situation, exact same circumstance with the exact same skills, the exact same knowledge. And one salesperson will outperform the other one, you know, two, three, four times um, but it's, so it's not based on skills, not based on circumstance, it's just strictly based on the beliefs. They use the skills they've been taught to what they believe is possible and it becomes this self-fulfilling prophecy they use over and over again. 
Oh, I love that. And it reminds me of a client that I worked with one time and as he was going through university, he was learning that um, the best that he could hope for was $50,000 income, this is in Australia, and a car and a telephone and, and he grew up in a very successful family business and he looked at that and he said, no, thank you, um, ditch the university and ditch the 50000 car and a phone and then went on to become a very successful entrepreneur. And um, and I think, you know, what you're saying, I love that about the you you wake up with a, a worth it number on your forehead. So I'm guessing then that part of the work that you do with people is to help them change that worth it number. That, that's correct. Yeah, it's to figure out, you know, uh, why do they believe that number to be true? You know, what's stopping them from creating a bigger number? Um, what, what, you know, uh, um, what uh, uh, friends are they hanging out with? What peer groups? What evidence do they have to support that number to be true? I mean, there's just a, there's a lot of of uh, unleashing that has to go on to to let go of those things by questioning their current belief system. I mean, it's amazing. You know, sometimes when you just ask the person the question of you know what's causing you to believe that this situation is only worth a hundred thousand dollars a year, and they'll start giving you all the evidence, and then I'll ask them one one question and say, well, is there anyone else in your situation that's actually selling more than you? And they'll say, well, yeah, there are people in my situation. Okay, so, you know, it's, so it might be impossible, you know, so is it impossible to sell and make twice as much income as you're making right now, or is it just impossible for you? Because there are people that are doing it in your same situation, so it's not a matter of skills, it's a matter of beliefs. And so if you're willing to see things differently, if you're willing to, to, uh, to learn a different way, then we can show you how to change your beliefs and therefore change your behaviors and therefore change your income. Oh, I love it. I love it. That's a really good place for us to stop and take a break. And when we come back, let's get into more of this because this applies not only to individual people, but also to business owners and I think growing their company as well. So stay with us. We'll be right back. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. If you like the Reclaim Your Freedom radio show, you can join Shirley Dalton for her TV show, Empowered Business TV, where you'll get to meet her guests in person and join in with activities to improve yourself, your team, and your business. Watch demonstrations of techniques and strategies you can implement immediately. Plus, regular business owners who are happy to share their experiences and secrets that have made them successful to help you achieve the success you want in business and in life. Visit EmpoweredBusinessTV.com today. Shirley Dalton's guide, Five Simple Steps to Business Freedom, is changing the way today's professionals balance their work lives and the rest of their lives. You can enjoy this guide free when you discover businessfreedomfighters.com. You'll find out how to get out of the stranglehold of business and get your life back. The secret is not working longer or harder. It's working smarter and better. You'll join the thousands who find this guide and Shirley Dalton valuable resources for their business. Visit businessfreedomfighters.com today. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You 
are listening to Reclaim Your Freedom with Shirley Dalton. If you have a question or a comment about the program, please send an email to questions at daltonbusinesssystems.com. Again, that's questions at daltonbusinesssystems.com. Now, back to Reclaim Your Freedom. Hello and welcome. Thanks for joining us today. You're listening to Reclaim Your Freedom and I'm your host, Shirley Dalton. My mission in life and my promise to you is to inspire, educate and support you to be, do, have and feel what you want. To that end, I'm excited to introduce you to our guest today, Jason Forrest. Welcome, Jason. Thank you, Shirley. I'm glad to be here. I'm really excited to be talking with you today, Jason, and I was really excited to meet you recently at the C-Suite networking event, you and um, sales Yeah, Mary, it was wonderful. So, Jason, you're the CEO and Chief Culture Officer for FPG, the Forest Performance Group. As a sales professional, author, speaker and coach, your job is to empower professionals and executives to unleash their human performance and master their leadership skills in sales, management, culture and service for the purpose of increasing profit through people. Personally, you've won many awards and this year your company was listed as one of Inc. 5000, America's fastest growing private companies. And what I think is even more impressive and totally congruent with what you and your company represent, your company was awarded the Fort Worth Inc. Best Companies to Work For. So congratulations on that. Uh, thank you. Yeah, the, the combination of the two is what I consider the, the unicorn award to be a fast growing company, which is... Normally, if you're a fast-growing company, you have high revenue, but in a lot of cases, you have you have uh, very high turnover. Uh, on the flip side, if you create a best place to work, uh, you a lot of times have uh, a lot of fun, uh, but people don't get anything done. So, to be able to do to do both at the same time, have a fast-growing company and a best place to work, uh, to me is considered the the ultimate uh, unicorn achievement. Yeah, absolutely. And it's fantastic that you are actually a role model. You know, you are definitely walking your talk. Thank you. Now, you say that you're a salesperson first, a behavioural change expert, a national speaker and a coach who pushes organisations to become highly profitable while creating best places to work. And you grew up under the influence of your father, who was a business owner and professional salesperson, and your mother, who was a persuasive speaking professor, and Zig Ziglar, your Sunday school teacher and world-famous salesperson and motivational speaker, which ensured you learned how to drive profitable growth through doing rather than observing. So I have to ask the obvious question, since you were associating with such successful role models in your early years, how old were you when you realised you too wanted to go into sales and why? Yeah, that's a great question. Shirley, I, I, um, I, mean, I, I was on the selling floor Again, since I was a little kid, I actually sold my first diamond when I was eight years old in my father's jewelry store, and I just really grew up around that. I mean, the, 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 you know, for me, it was just all I ever knew. Um, I, I remember, you know, most families when they go to family reunions, they tell stories about, you know, being a lawyer, or a doctor, uh, or a business owner. But pretty much um, majority of the of my uncles and cousins were were in some sort of sales function, and so. You know, we, we, we sit around and tell sales stories. And so I just, that's just all, all I ever knew. I mean, the, you know, I remember um, back in the early 80s when, when uh, we had a pretty big recession in, in the U.S., uh, I remember going home to my father one time, my dad, and, and I was a kid, and I said, you know, Dad, I, I'm, are, we wor- are you worried about your job? Because, you know, all of my friends' parents are being laid off from EDS and Frito-Lay and, and um, 
IBM, and and he said no because if you're a top one percent sales professional, then you will have a job no matter market conditions, because the 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 the, the last person to ever go in an organization when a company goes under is the owner of the organization, but the second to last person to go is always the highest revenue producer. So it's always the top salesperson because you know that that's the lifeline, that's the bloodline of the organization. So he just said, look, if you you know if you if you want to have a career that that um, is recession proof and it's completely dependent upon how good you are, your skill set, no no conditions of market or circumstances or the economy or it's just strictly based upon your X factor ability, your ability to convince other people with your words that you've got value to solve their problem, then then sales is the career for you. And and so I think just kind of growing up in that mentality, I, I was always in a sales career from again my father's jewelry store to when I was in high school working at Hugo Boss and Banana Republic and different uh, retail clothing stores to college, I was a leasing agent in, in uh, leasing apartments to other college kids uh, to provide housing and then of course going on to after college to be a, a stockbroker, financial advisor and then selling real estate and I've just always been in some sort of sales function and again I just I've always I just thought there's nothing more capitalistic than being a professional salesperson. It's just it's just uh, again it's 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 the it's the it's the greatest career you could possibly choose. And it's really interesting to hear you say that because there would be a lot of people and a lot of our listeners that would be sitting there cringing, thinking, oh, <laughs> they, they don't have those skills or that mindset. Um, and I really uh, was interested then, as you were saying, and I, and I believe it as well from my experience, that the second to last person to go is going to be the highest revenue earner because, that, I mean, that's what the companies want. So... What made you then decide to go and start your own company, the Forest Performance Group? Well, that's a great question. I want to answer that, but you know, uh, something I also want to address too is you know, you mentioned that people cringe when they kind of you think about you know the idea or career of sales, and you know, and I, I, I believe that is to be true. I mean, I think if you were to go ask a random person on the street, what do you think of when you think of the word salesperson? I mean, they would say unethical, pushy, unhelpful, manipulative, and and uh, and that could be true, but my you know, but my paradigm is that um, people don't actually you know hate salespeople in general. Uh, they just don't like some salespeople that project unhelpful, unethical, or boring behaviors. So they just don't like bad salespeople. They don't like. It's the same thing. I mean, we don't have a problem with lawyers. We just have a problem with unethical lawyers. Or we don't have a problem with waiters. We just have a problem with unhelpful waiters. Uh, I mean, that's really just a, kind of a true statement. And we just don't do a good enough job really training salespeople today to be noble and my personal mission statement on all the pr training programs I create, I create a uh, kind of a mission statement around the training program and, and the mission statement around our sales training program called Warrior Selling is is to bring back the pride, purpose and respect to professional selling. It's to bring back the nobility of it. And what's interesting too is that is surely that one of the things, the mistakes that people make is they say, well, I just, I'm not cut out to be in sales. That's not something I can do. And what I tell them is that, you know, all human beings are actually born to sell. I mean, it's a, it's a survival skill, you know, like breathing. I mean, it, it's, you know, it's, it's interesting. A lot of times I'll have, I'll have uh, CEOs that will argue with me and say, you know, I don't know if everyone could sell in my organization. I don't know if they're going to cut, you know, make it in your program. And I just tell them, I say, look, all human beings are born to sell. And I say, for example, like, tell me if you have, you know, if you, if you, you know, how many kids do you have? And they'll say, well, I got a couple of kids. And so great. So, you know, do you have a, do you have someone that you that you think will just never make it in sales? Yeah, my daughter. You know, my daughter Robin is just, um, you know, she's very introverted, very shy, and she's 35 years old. When she goes to 
you know, kind of social gathering, she just gets very, very scared and just doesn't, you know, just doesn't want to get out there. And then I look at I look at the CEO and I said, hey, so you know, in what age, what age did Robin convince you to stay up late to watch a show, to watch a TV show? What what age did Robin convince you to buy something for her at you know a, a store when you when you said no, or to buy candy, or and then of course the CEO responded, well, as soon as she can start talking, I said exactly. <laughs> so it's a human being skill to persuade someone with your words. It's a human being skill. It's just. That that you know, but Robin, you know, at a young age, you know, she was conditioned through her programming that it's not correct. Or every time she was told the word no, um, you know, she was saying, you know, no means no, and stop asking, and stop being so pushy, and stop trying to get your way, and you know, and so parents or teachers, you know, they condition kids and society conditions kids to say that selling is evil, and so you know, you have so much of that programming in your brain that over and over again you start to believe those to be true. And so what, I, what I'm really on a mission to do is all of our clients, the first thing we do is we tell them, look, we're not here to, you know, you're not broken and we're not here to, to fix you, but we are here to liberate you. We are mm-hmm. here to get you, get you to go back to that, you know, that uh, eight-year-old child in you that said selling was okay and you had no problem with conflict and you have no problem with persuading people to follow you with your words. And so we got to get you back to that and we got to unleash you uh, and remove all those rules and, and limited beliefs that are holding you back. And you have a really interesting comment on your website that says beliefs have more to do with our success than our abilities. And um, so we've just got a couple of minutes before we take a break. Tell us what you mean by that because I, was, I love it. You know, I really resonated with it, but I, I'd love to hear more. Yeah, so basically the concept is, is if you think about, um, you know, the skills of selling are very easy or the skills of entrepreneurism or being a great leader are very easy. It's the psychology that gets in the way. And see, I think every human being wakes up every morning with a worth it number on their forehead that says, I believe I am worth this. I believe I believe that I am capable of achieving this based upon my market, my circumstances, my situation, my product, my company. You know, that's, that's what I believe I'm worth. And no matter what skills they have, they're going to use those skills to the level they believe is worth it. And it could be in annual income or more, but that's just the case. And I see that all the time. And we'll, you know, we'll we'll take thousands of people through a year, you know, a year through our uh, warrior selling programs, our leadership programs, our our service programs, and and we'll teach the same people the exact same skills. And then all of a sudden, you know, two salespeople will go into the exact same situation, exact same circumstance, with the exact same skills, the exact same knowledge, and one salesperson will outperform the other one, you know, two, three, four times. Um, but it's, so it's not based on skills, not based on circumstances, just strictly based on the beliefs. They use the skills they've been taught to what they believe is possible, and it becomes this self-fulfilling prophecy they use over and over again. Oh, I love that. And it reminds me of a client that I worked with one time, and as he was going through university, he was learning that um, the best that he could hope for was $50,000 income, this is in Australia, and a car and a telephone, and, and he grew up in a very successful family business. And he looked at that and he said, no, thank you, um, ditch the university and ditch the 50000 car and the phone, and then went on to become a very successful entrepreneur. Um, and um, and I think you know what you're saying. I love that about the you you wake up with a, a worth it number on your forehead. So I'm guessing then that part of the work that you do with people is to help them change that worth it number. That, that's correct. Yeah, it's to figure out you know uh, why do they believe that number to be true, 
you know, what's stopping them from creating a bigger number? Um, what, what, you know, uh, um, what uh, uh, friends are they hanging out with? What peer groups? What evidence do they have to support that number to be true? I mean, there's just a, there's a lot of of uh, unleashing that has to go on to to let go of those things by questioning their current belief system. I mean, it's amazing. You know, sometimes when you just ask the person the question of, you know, what's causing you to believe that this situation is only worth a hundred thousand dollars a year, and they'll start giving you all the evidence, and then I'll ask them one one question and say, well, is there anyone else in your situation that's actually selling more than you? And they'll say, well, yeah, there are people in my situation. Okay, so you know, it's so it might be impossible. You know, so is it impossible to sell? and make twice as much income as you're making right now, or is it just impossible for you? Because there are people that are doing your same situation, so it's not a matter of skills, it's a matter of beliefs. And so if you're willing to see things differently, if you're willing to, to, uh, to learn a different way, then we can show you how to change your beliefs and therefore change your behaviors and therefore change your income. Oh, I love it. I love it. That's a really good place for us to stop and take a break. And when we come back, let's get into more of this because this applies not only to individual people, but also to business owners and I think growing their company as well. So stay with us. We'll be right back. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Shirley Dalton's guide, Five Simple Steps to Business Freedom, is changing the way today's professionals balance their work lives and the rest of their lives. You can enjoy this guide free when you discover businessfreedomfighters.com. You'll find out how to get out of the stranglehold of business and get your life back. The secret is not working longer or harder. It's working smarter and better. You'll join the thousands who find this guide and Shirley Dalton valuable resources for their business. Visit businessfreedomfighters.com today. If you like the Reclaim Your Freedom radio show, you can join Shirley Dalton for her TV show, Empowered Business TV, where you'll get to meet her guests in person and join in with activities to improve yourself, your team, and your business. Watch demonstrations of techniques and strategies you can implement immediately. Plus, regular business owners who are happy to share their experiences and secrets that have made them successful to help you achieve the success you want in business and in life. Visit EmpoweredBusinessTV.com today. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You are listening to Reclaim Your Freedom with Shirley Dalton. If you have a question or a comment about the program, please send an email to questions at daltonbusinesssystems.com. Again, that's questions at daltonbusinesssystems.com. Now, back to Reclaim Your Freedom. And welcome back. You've been listening to Reclaim Your Freedom. I'm Shirley Dalton and we've been speaking with CEO and Chief Culture Officer for the FPG um, Forest Performance Group, Jason Forrest. And just before we went on a break, Jason was talking about his focus for his company and sees that his company and his employees are his customers that he needs to focus on. 
And as the Chief Culture Officer, Jason believes that the happier your staff are, the more productive they are. So Jason, please talk about that because for some employee, some employers, I should say, they'll be wondering what it means to have happy staff. You know, is that taking them out for a barbecue on a Friday afternoon and giving them copious amounts of alcohol or is it something else? I mean, don't get me wrong, I think alcohol definitely helps and taking them out <laughs> eating them helps as well. But I mean, those are all surface level concepts. I mean, the you know, I love, there's a great movie uh, called Patch Adams, you know, true story about this amazing doctor. And he says, you know, in the movie, he says, look, if you, if you, um, you know, treat the disease, you win, you, you know, you might win or lose, but if you treat the person, you win every time. And to me, I mean, that's really the concept about having to, how to create a great culture is, you know, if you look at, you know, a lot of these companies, they say, okay, we have a great place to work, and you go, what do you do? Well, we got a gym membership, we got ping pong, we got uh, video games, you know, we feed them a lot, you know, we give them, we give them alcohol. You know, and again, that's just like treating the disease. I mean, yeah, maybe it might, might work, and maybe it's not going to work, but if you treat the person, you win every time. And so what I mean by that is, you know, we do a lot of things in our organization to really grow their belief system. So, for example, uh, one of the things that we implemented, in, and uh, we're moving towards this, we'll be, we'll be fully... Uh, able to do this in 2017, but it, 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 and that is that um, one day a week out of a work week, um, every employee is either being trained or being coached. Now, it might not be the entire day, but the idea is eight hours of a 40-hour work week, um, they are being trained or coached. And my philosophy behind that is that if I have an organization that's open for business four days a week and is in training or coaching one day a week, then I believe I can outperform, outgrow, outlast, outprofit uh, organizations that are they're open for business five days a week. And, and so that's we're almost there, but we'll definitely be there fully in, in 2017 as far as having internal trainer, trainers and, and really just you know being a part of that. And then so that's number one. That's you know one of the first things we do. The second thing we do is is um, every employee in the organization uh, meets with me for 30 minutes once a quarter. And I call this the culture check. And the idea behind it is that, that um, it's 30 minutes, they fill out a survey, and the survey is how much certainty do you have with FPG on a scale of one to 10? You know, how much variety do you have? How much fun do you have? How much significance? How much do you feel like you matter? How, much, how, how well do you feel like you're connected to, you know, up to your peers? Do you have a vital friend at work? Do you have all the tools you need to do your job correctly? You know, do you, um, do you feel like your voice matters? Do you feel like you have opportunities to learn and grow every day? Have you been praised to do good work in the last seven days? You know, uh, we're just, we have all these questions that I ask them based on, you know, employee engagement uh, research. And, you know, I'm actually, in a, a, a cert, I have a certification in addiction psychology. And when you look at, you know, the, the idea of why people are addicted to things, it's because it, it, it fulfills their, their basic needs. So certainty, variety, significance, love and connection, growth and contribution. And if, if you have a certain vehicle that, um, that will fulfill at least three or more of those needs and you become really addicted to it. So now an addiction could be something good or bad. And my whole, my concept is if it's bringing, you know, um, either joy or harm to yourself or others, then it just, you can decide if it's good or bad. So, you know, I know people that are addicted to health. Well, that's okay. That's, that's, that's good. But versus if they're addicted to drugs, then that's not so good. That's, not, that's bringing themselves harm and, and uh, to themselves or others. So, but I use that same psychology, um, the same addiction psychology to, I want people to be addicted to FPG. And so I want to give them safety and security. I want to make sure they have fun. I want to make sure that um, they feel significance. They feel like 
that you know they matter and that, which they do matter and I, I want to feel that they're connected to our vision mission strategy and they're connected to other people and they feel like there's you know that, that other people support them and they support other people and I want to feel like they have opportunities to grow and I want to feel like that their voice matters they can contribute to others and and so you know every quarter we have this checkup where you know they're filling this survey out and they're specifically meeting with me and, and I tell them I said look this is this is this is you coaching me for 30 minutes you know, you fill the survey out and you're just basically giving me your input and you know you know a lot of times you know first they didn't like it they, they said well what about you know how am I doing in my performance I said look there's plenty of time to talk about that you're obviously being coached you know every single week by your you know by your manager and, and by your coach and and um, but at this point this is about you coaching me and you know at first it's a little bit difficult for people because they're not used to giving the owner of the company you know any sort of feedback that potentially could be negative but you know I welcome that because I, I you know, my goal is again. I, I want to create an addictive organization um, where people matter. And, and you know, the number one reason um, that that organizations are very profitable is because people believe their effort makes a difference. Uh, they believe that what they do matters. That 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 every day there's a cause and effect. That if I do A, I'll get B, and that'll translate to you know a objective of the organization. And they and they truly understand how. They're connected, not just as a salesperson, but as a as an administrative assistant, or you know, um, uh, or, or marketing, or anyone in the organization truly understands how they're connected. And so we do culture checks. We do um, every Friday we have a thing called I'm Freaking Awesome Happy Hour, where um, where everyone goes around. And we end the week with a win. It's basically the concept. And everyone goes around and says I'm freaking awesome because I did blank that caused blank, um, and the effect of that is blank. And so they're able to share. Um, you know what they did that matters that week, and, and then we all go around and validate one other person. Um, every Thursday we have a thing called Fess It and Fix It Thursday, where people, you know, share, hey, here's something I fess up to that I made a mistake on this week, and here's how I'm going to fix it next time in the future. Uh, we're on a group me, so we're constantly talking to each other, you know, um, even outside of work, and and it's just, I mean, it's a it's a culture. You know, you know, a lot of people go, well, gosh, I don't think my employees would want that. All right, well, they don't want it. So, and, and I'm not saying my culture is the right culture for everyone. Uh, but this is the culture that I want to create, and the people who want to work for me, you know, this is the culture they want as well. And, and we're we're big on that. I mean, we hire based upon that. Whenever I hire people, we you know the, we have three questions that we're trying to answer, and that is number one: will they fit in with our culture? Meaning, do they want to be a part of it. Do they want to help contribute to it, or is this just a job for them? You know, if this is a job for them, we don't want them to work for us. Uh -huh. But if it's a mission, if it's a if it's a career, if it's something they really feel like they can be a part of, and it's it's like a calling card for them. Then we want that. We also want to make sure they have what I call gladiator-like work ethic. They they just absolutely want to work like no one else. And number three is can they do the job? But that culture piece is huge. And I've hired people in the past that they can do the job and they've got great work ethic, but they just don't want to be a part of the company and they just don't last very long. Yes, in a lot of cases we get hired on our skill and fired on our attitude. And for our leaders and managers, business owners and entrepreneurs that are listening to this, and what you're sharing is absolute gold. And um, and I can tell you, uh, Jason, <laughs> that would be a place that I would want to work because my number one thing is personal development, growing and learning. And to have a, a company that says, hey, we're going to train you at least one day a week out of uh, every week, man, I'd, I'd be on your doorstep <laughs> quicker than flash lightning. Um, but as you say, it's not for everybody and I think it's really important that your um, 
standing up and saying this is the culture that we want, this is the culture that we're creating and then you basically make it a choice for people. They opt in or they opt out based on that and uh, so you're, you're not convincing people to come and work for you. People are, as you say, choosing it and, and that's why you're the number one choice. And I love those strategies that you've shared there. Um, so um, first of all the training and then the second one where you're meeting with people now. Um, for those people that might be sitting there think, feeling a little bit scared, what do you do when you actually receive negative feedback? You, you revere it. You revere it. I mean, I, there's a great proverb that says that um, you revere criticism like you revere your first love. And you really think that think about that proverb, which is amazing, is that, you know, I, I remember my first love when I was in high school and I was, you know, just totally love love struck you know and the person couldn't say anything wrong couldn't do anything wrong and I just wanted to constantly learn and grow and improve to be in their good graces and you know you take that and you go okay well how do I revere criticism like my first love I mean there's just there's gold in there because you know if they're willing to share their beliefs with you then you know that, that I mean I mean that alone will keep them there for you because if, if if you as a leader can create a create a place where they feel that you're open to hear criticism and, and trying to improve, trying to make things better, you know, they're going to stick with you. But if they feel like, you know, this is a place like anyone else that, you know, the boss really is in charge and, you know, I would say there's one, you know, if they, if they feel like there's one smart person in the company and that's the owner and a bunch of other people are dumb, well, then you're running your company like North Korea. You're like a dictatorship. But, you know, if you can really give everyone a voice and, and really open up the human capital of the organization, you know, then you're really unstoppable because, you know, most organizations, it's so, I always think it's comical to me because they, you know, we, we spend so much time hiring based on resumes and experience. Oh, you got this degree from Harvard or you got this MBA or you look at your background, but then they, they you know, we, we hire them and then we say, hey, now shut up and, and just listen and do your job. You know, we don't care what your background said. Well, why are we hiring based on experience then if we're not going to leverage their experience? Why do people even go to college if we're not going to leverage it? So, you know, my whole thing is, look, I want to know what you did before, and I want to know how you can help us in the future. So you, you have things and ideas and belief systems and philosophies and experience that, you know, I don't currently have. And, I mean, I, I, tell, I joke all the time. I mean, the company is called Force Performance Group, but, I mean, I constantly change and say, you know, today it's Laura Performance Group. Laura is my chief operating officer, or Mary you know, who's my uh, chief sales officer, you know, it's, it's Mary Performance Group or Chad Performance Group. He's one of our human performance strategists out there, Phil Performance Group or Valerie Performance Group. And I just tell him, I said, look, you're in charge today and, you know, and, and you know, tell us what to do. And, and, and I just think, I just think it's important to do that because, you know, I, I don't, I'm not the smartest person in the room. I might have times where I am the smartest person in the room because I have the most experience, but but there are more times than not that I am not the smartest person in the room because there are other people that have more to bring to the table than I do in that one potential, you know, that, that one potential pro a problem, and we've got to give them permission to speak. Mm -hmm. And is there an expectation from your employees, though, that if they do speak up, that it is going to be um, enacted? You know, some sometimes we want to consult, but we still want to reserve the right to make the final decision and I know some of our leaders struggle with that concept so you know they get a little bit frightened that if they ask the question then they're basically having consensus management. Oh yeah I, I, I guess my philosophy on that is 
Yes, I am not a big fan of consensus. So let me make sure, make sure I'm not, that's not what I believe. Um, I do believe in, in, you know, in the end, I mean, the leader has to make the decision. I'm the one, you know, that, um, you know, my, my income's on the line, my credit's on the line, my company's on the line, I mean, everything is on the line based upon my, my decision being the small business owner. So I do have to do that, make that final decision from a risk perspective. But, I mean, I just think it's, it's wise to seek counsel, you know, and I think it's wise to, to um, you know, to, to, to have multiple opinions and roots. Now, I do tell them in the end that, you know, that um, when it's all said and done, you know, my job is to make the right decision for the company and to move things forward. But, you know, I, prob- I, pr- I promise you that, you know, I- I'm going to take your input in. And, you know, and, and one thing that I, I do a lot too is, you know, if one, pe- one person gives me their opinion, then, you know, um, you know, that, that's, you know, that's one thing. But if, if several people in my company are saying the same thing, then there's obviously a pattern emerging. And so, you know, I, I definitely would say I listen to more patterns than I do individual instances. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can remember when I first started working in a franchise organization and I didn't know a lot and I would run into the CEO's business, you know, almost like Chicken Little, the sky's falling in and I'd say, oh, this franchisee has said this and, oh, we've got to fix it. And he'd look at me and very patiently go, mm-hmm. And, uh, and then his next question was, and how many other people have said that? And I'm like, what? <laughs> and he'd say, and how many other? When you get five people that are saying that, they come back. And, uh, oh, it was, a, it was really good training because, yeah, sometimes we can react to the squeakiest wheel. So, well, just to talk about that for a second, I, I actually just did a, uh, or I have a Facebook video that's coming out here actually this week. And, um, uh, the week of uh, December in, Dece- in December, but it's it's on this concept of of reacting versus responding, and, and you know it's interesting because I love this quote by Lao Tzu that says, "Do you have the patience to wait for the water to clear and the mud to settle?" And and basically what he's saying is the difference between reacting to a situation versus responding, and reacting comes from fear and responding comes from from love, one has uncertainty, the other has certainty, but whenever we react to a situation, we're giving all of the power to the other people that are controlling us versus when we respond to a situation, you know, we're really in control of our own thoughts, And but to, in order to do that, you know, you have to almost have an out-of-body experience where you separate yourself from your ego and you're able to, you know, kind of look at the situation almost as an observer. I mean, that's really the best place to be is how do I detach myself and be this third-party observer uh, versus so that that way I can insert thought, insert some time, and really respond to the situation versus react. And and to me, I really work, I'm not a master of that, but that's definitely a, a big theme that I'm focused on right now. And I think it's a theme that we might continue on. We're just going to take a short break because I think this is very important for a lot of our leaders and uh, business owners and entrepreneurs. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. If you like the Reclaim Your Freedom radio show, you can join Shirley Dalton for her TV show, Empowered Business TV, where you'll get to meet her guests in person and join in with activities to improve yourself, your team, and your business. Watch demonstrations of techniques and strategies you can implement immediately. 
plus regular business owners who are happy to share their experiences and secrets that have made them successful to help you achieve the success you want in business and in life. Visit EmpoweredBusinessTV.com today. Shirley Dalton's guide, Five Simple Steps to Business Freedom, is changing the way today's professionals balance their work lives and the rest of their lives. You can enjoy this guide free when you discover businessfreedomfighters.com. You'll find out how to get out of the stranglehold of business and get your life back. The secret is not working longer or harder. It's working smarter and better. You'll join the thousands who find this guide and Shirley Dalton valuable resources for their business. Visit businessfreedomfighters.com today. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Reclaim Your Freedom with Shirley Dalton. If you have a question or a comment about the program, please send an email to questions at daltonbusinesssystems.com. Again, that's questions at daltonbusinesssystems.com. Now, back to Reclaim Your Freedom. Welcome back. Well, when I first engaged Jason to be interviewed today, I was thinking that we would be talking a lot about sales and I'm, I don't know about you listeners, but I'm just loving this conversation. There is so much gold in here. Jason has given you so many strategies that you can implement immediately if you want to be creating a culture of choice for employer, employees. And I, and I also love that you use the uh, psychology of addiction to enable people to be addicted to your company. I just love that. And then, you know, making sure that we are responding and not reacting as we were talking about in the last segment there, you know, taking the time to take the information on but still allowing yourself to be able to make those decisions. And I love that. I love the quote that you gave as well. So, Jason, we're wrapping up in this last segment now. Um, what's next for you in 2017? What are your ambitions? Yeah, thank you. Yeah, a lot of great things. So, I mean, definitely one, I mean, we've, we've, we are known as an organization that is all about turning companies into high, highly profitable sales organizations. I mean, you know, it's interesting when someone says, hey, Jason, what do you do? I mean, my simple answer is, you know, I'm the, C- I'm the guy that the CEO brings in when they realize their profit margin is unacceptable. And they're like, well, what does that mean? I said, well, you know, I mean, basically I have systematic ways of, of creating, you know, discipline training programs and organizations to really create, you know, highly profitable, well-run, you know, well-run cultures. You know, that's, and that's really what we're known for. It started off on the sales side and then, of course, got into the leadership side. And really, you know, my, one of the things I really want to work on next year is, is we have some companies that, have really uh, adopted our leadership culture philosophies on how do we create that, you know, that um, high growth, high profitable, best place to work. And we've had tremendous success. I mean, we had one company this past year that went through our beta program that went from a negative two uh, net profit to a 5% profit margin with a 150% year over year increase in revenue. And, you know, and of course they're renewing us for next year, but they were a beta case for us while we were, you know, they were using our culture program uh, at the same time, we were running it through our own organization to see if it would work, and sure enough, it did. I mean, we became E5000, fast-growing company, and, you know, best place to work in Fort Worth. And so so next year, I really want to, you know, to uh, to unveil 
more, uh, you know, bring in, bring on more clients to help them create that highly profitable, high revenue, best place to work. We don't have, an, we don't have an, uh, you know, slots for everyone. So it's a very kind of exclusive type of, type of ordeal, but it absolutely pays off because again, if your profit margins, you know, uh, can increase by five or 6% and you can increase your revenue by 150%, then, you know, that's a huge return on investments. So we got that going. I also have um, a book coming out that I'm working on uh, called Warrior Selling. It's about unleashing your sales performance, which I'm really excited about. I've been working on that book for, gosh, probably my entire lifetime and really creating the quintessential book of the top 1% sales professionals because most of the books out there are um, holding people back from really performing more. And then I've got a book on unleashing the millennial power. So how do we get the most out of millennials in that workforce? Uh, so I'm working on that right now. And then, of course, um, I just signed a contract with the C-Suite Network to, uh, to, to be a part of a new show called, called Run Towards the Roar. And it's going to be on the C-Suite Network. It's going to be played on Apple TV and Ruko and Amazon Prime and, and, and Delta Infight Entertainment. And it's going to be where I, I interview C-level executives, so CEOs, entrepreneurs of companies, and really be talking about their, 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 uh, their Run Towards the Roar moments, which are basically their fear moments, the time where they, the company almost went bankrupt and how they turned it around or when they lost their biggest customer and how they turned around. What are those just fear-based moments where most people run away from fear, where the, the CEOs that make it are the ones that run towards fear and the lessons learned from that. So you know, that's going to be a really, really great show that I'm very, very excited about, about putting out there. And uh, I actually just interviewed someone yesterday, so that'll be, um, that'll be out next year. So, so much to happen. Um, if, if people want to contact us, they can go to fpg.com. Uh, so fpg.com. And um, if, you, if you go to our newsletter, you can actually sign up and, and I'll send you our uh, big idea ebook, which is a really, really cool book. It's a lot of the concepts we talked about today, but it's basically my collections of my kind of top insights, my top thoughts, my philosophies on, you know, how to be a great culture or how to be, you know, a warrior for yourself and others. I love it. And, and um, I, thinking about your uh, run towards the roar, that's a pretty brave and courageous thing for people to be doing, to be talking about their fear moments, because most of us would rather hide that and, and uh, walk out, you know, oh, it's under control, yes, it's fine, <laughs> not, not let anybody see that. So wonderful. So, and you've got uh, the books I like to um, unleashing your sales performance with warrior selling, and then unleashing the millennial performance. And I know that there's a lot of people who really um, struggle to understand the millennial um, psyche and how to work best with them. Absolutely. So if we just recap, you know, we, we've been through so much today. You, you've um, started out as a sales professional and we've talked a little bit about the, the notion of, you know, it's, it's bad salespeople that give sales uh, a bad name. It's not the salespeople themselves. We looked at the different coaching methodologies and how it gives people skills, but really it's the belief and our worth it factor. And I love that. And then some of the strategies that you've shared with us for helping people to be able to create that addictive culture where people choose to come and work for them. And some of that I think is going to be a little challenging and a little scary for some of our um, uh, leaders and entrepreneurs. And yet from your experience, 
taking that action has actually enabled you now to be able to become one of the fastest growing companies and also the company of choice. And so, Jason, I, you know, I just want to thank you so much. Um, today's conversation was certainly different to what I was expecting and I've loved it. You've given so much information for people and, and I really look forward to seeing what you do in 2017, which is not that long away. So, listeners, I don't know about you, but I certainly have a different view of uh, sales and performance and culture and leadership after speaking with Jason today. Jason, thanks so much for joining us. It's been a real pleasure having you on the show and for sharing so much with our listeners. And listeners... Awesome. Yes, yeah, so, say... Yeah, thank you very much. and I'd love to love you back in the future. Fantastic. I'm sure there's, you know, 20 books worth of information you can share with us there. So listeners, remember, until next week, be sure to implement what you learned from Jason today and then help yourself move one step closer to creating your ideal business lifestyle. Thank you for joining Shirley Dalton and her amazing guest this week on Reclaim Your Freedom. Please tune in again next Tuesday at 1 p.m. U.S. Pacific Time for another edition on the Voice America Business Channel. Until then, relax just a bit and have a great week. Enjoy the upcoming weekend, and we'll see you here for the next show. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.